All right, well, welcome back to the On Mission Together podcast. Uh, I don't know if I said it in the last one, but my name's Jason DeMeo. I'm from We Are Curio, and we've done some work with Bishop Carter on the mission. And so we are introducing the podcast for these first few episodes, and then Bishop Carter's going to take it over and uh, be doing some interviews with different people who are living out the mission, the vision, and the mindset. So um, I have again here with me, Bishop Carter. Welcome. Hello, Jason. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the mindsets today. Uh, we didn't want to put it all in one podcast. We thought it'd just be a little bit of overload. Uh, we broke it up into the, the the mission and the vision, the mindsets, and then we're going to do a feedback grid. So today we're talking about the mindset. So uh, it took a while to, to get to these mindsets. Again, it, it was about a six-month process of us kind of discerning, working collaboratively with people from uh, all across the conference and uh, you know, fighting over little tiny words here and there and w- where a comma should be and an extra word here. And we got to something that I feel like is really collaborative and really uh, kind of unearths what was already there uh, for you all. So um, we'll jump right in. The first one uh, is future focused. Uh, what would you say uh, kind of that means to you and what that means for the, the conference? I think uh, a future focus means uh, that we are always wondering about uh, praying for whatever God has in store for us in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not to leave one group of people behind and only focus on another group. Uh, it's that God is is walking with all of us into the future. Uh, it's the uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on mm-hmm. earth as it is in heaven, that we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. Uh, and so having a future focus is about vision, uh, and it's uh, in part a little bit of a dissatisfaction with the status quo. Mm-hmm. I think God meets us where we are, but God wants to take us to a better place. Yeah. And I think that's also true for our local churches. You know, God loves our local churches, but God is always concerned about the people outside our local churches. Uh, most of our local churches have some space inside of them for some, some more people. There are mm-hmm. some pews they could sit in or <laughs> chairs they could sit in. And, uh, and then God also loves our annual conference, but again, we, we are flawed. We have work to do. Uh, and so a vision of trying to get in touch with uh, What's God's vision for the future? Uh, and the Bible is, Old and New Testaments are, are have a lot to do with the future and vision, whether mm-hmm. the, whether Israel is going to the promised land or whether, you know, in, in the New Testament, it's about the New Jerusalem and the book of Revelation and uh, the place Jesus goes to prepare for us. Uh, and so um, I think many of us love to see a compelling vision and to move mm-hmm. toward it. Uh, and that's really what hope is. Yeah. And I think uh, I'm generally a hopeful person. Yeah. Uh, and so we try to do the work we do together, the being on mission together, being future focused is to try to make decisions, not just, not just to please us in the present, but to always ask what's God want the future to look like. That's really good. Uh, one word we we kind of made up was thanksed. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we say you should be ang- you should have some angst that I want to make the world a better place. There's some things that frustrate you. There's some things that are like this is the status quo and it needs to be better. 
But if you're always angsty and if you're always frustrated, that person can be right. annoying too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we came up with thanksed because it's like thankfulness and a little bit of angst together. So you're thankful for what has been and Absolutely. where you're at. But at the same time, there's a little bit of angst that like, man, I know things could be better. So when those two things come together, I really feel that that's kind of a powerful way to, to move things forward. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. So future focused. I like it. Um, if you're listening right now, why don't you just think about that? Are you a future-focused leader? Sometimes when we, we think about the mindsets we have people write on a 1 to 10 scale, where do you feel like you're at? So maybe if you want to make this interactive on the podcast right now, think about that. On a 1 to 10 scale, where would you put yourself as a future-focused leader? And then maybe you could have this conversation with your staff or with a friend or something like that. So we'll do that after every mindset. So if you got a piece of paper, write it down right, right now. Right. So, all right. Uh, that was an innovation. That was an improvisation we added to the podcast. Um, so the second one, uh, which I really think is neat, uh, one that I've even connected with someone who's not necessarily quote unquote Methodist, but has a lot of kind of appreciation for the movement, Wesleyan rooted. I feel like I've learned a lot about Wesley and appreciated a lot about Wesley. Tell me what that means to you for your leaders um, and for the movement to be Wesleyan rooted. Right. Uh, and we are a Wesleyan Methodist people. That's our branch of Christianity. It's not saying it's the only branch of the big tree, but it's right. our branch. Uh, and I think at our best, it means that we're grounded in Scripture. Uh, Wesley said he was a man of one book. Uh, that we are uh, connected in relationships. Uh, none of us is siloed or none of us thinks we have the whole truth, but we're connected uh, to each other, and then that we're mis we're missional. We're always reaching out. We we really began as as a Wesleyan tradition, not because we had deep doctrinal issues with any other church. We just felt like uh, we were created to to remind the church to live out its mm -hmm. faith, to in mission, and and so the the two key a couple of key. Uh, realities of this are the grace of God mm -hmm. by which we're saved through Jesus and uh, being on a journey toward holiness, uh, being on a journey toward loving God more and more every day, every year, and loving our neighbor more and more. And that's really how John Wesley defined holiness, love of God, love of neighbor. And so being Wesleyan rooted means being... Uh, Trying to be more gracious, trying to be more connectional, trying mm -hmm. to be more biblical, trying to trying to be uh, on a journey to holiness, and and uh, trying to share that all of that uh, with the world. Uh, Wesley said, "The world is my parish," mm -hmm. uh, and so that's what it means to be Wesleyan rooted. There, within that term, there is a wide uh, kind of latitude mm -hmm. for people to live that out. Uh, and which is why uh, that why there are so many Wesleyan Christians all over the world, and why even United Methodist churches in Florida can look different uh, in South Florida, North Florida, Central, different ethnicities, uh, different ages, because we're rooted in something that's deeper. That's really good. Um, one thing that always stuck out to me with Wesley was this idea of like 
viewing scripture through the lens of the quadrilateral a little bit. So that was something that, you know, uh, I, the Bible growing up was a huge piece of, and still is, right. of, of my, my life and my theology. But this idea that, like, we can actually look to tradition and we sure. can look to sure. our own reason and what is the Spirit is speaking to contextualize what is happening in the Bible was just really refreshing for me. So I don't know if there's any, you have any thoughts on that? or Well, I think we do. I think Scripture is foundational, but we read Scripture always in a tradition. Right. The hymns we sing or the praise music we sing is a, is a tradition. Uh, and the people who teach us, who mentor us, the, 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 the classes we're in, the groups we're in, that's a tradition. Uh, we step into that stream, uh, the mission trips we go on. And then uh, reason is simply our, our taking the scripture and tradition and looking at the world and thinking, you know, how does this relate to that? Mm-hmm. You know, and experience. And, and one of the ways I've thought about that recently is, without going too deeply into it, is how um, the experience of divorce for some people, mm. how, they, how they relate what they read in Scripture and heard in the tradition, but now to their reason and experience. Mm. I know a divorced person, uh, they, yes, they've gone through a divorce, but I want them to be in my church. Right. I want them to still come to my, my group or sing in the, the band with me or go on the mission with me. And, and so we, we do, in fact, all of us, it's not that we have to believe in the quadrilateral. I believe people naturally mm-hmm. read scripture right. in light. It's, they can. They, it doesn't matter whether they say I believe in the quadrilateral. I think. I think we all read the scripture through. I say through some lens. Right. And that's our reason and experience. That's really good. All right. So uh, third mindset is passionate about people. Um, I, I've noticed that as something mm-hmm. that you are, that other people, that leaders right, in the, right. the UMC, that there's this this draw to really help people, to be about people, that everything kind of surrounds um, people. So right. tell us a little bit about passion about people. And again, just to be very basic, uh, you know, God must have been passionate about people to have created us right. in the first place. <laughs> it was a passion of his. It was a passion. <laughs> He's an artist, a creator. Right, right. And then God must have been passionate about us when we got so far astray mm. to have sent Jesus into this world to right. endure what he did. With the passion of Christ. With the passion of Christ. You know, it's like... I've been reading Isaiah and Isaiah 52, 53 about he's borne our griefs, he's carried our sorrows, you know, uh, he, was, he was bruised for us, for our healing. And, uh, you know, just that, that's passion. Mm-hmm. Right? You're right. That's the passion of Christ. And so how can the church have that same passion for yeah. people? Uh, and again, people are not stereotypes. People are not issues. Right. Uh, people are, I have just learned people are much uh, richer and more nuanced than sometimes we reduce them mm-hmm. to be if you get to know them. Right. Uh, and I mean, you sent me something recently about having meals with people. Yeah. Helps us to get to know people and their stories. Uh, and so churches that have a passion for people, whether they're hmm. people in recovery, whether they're a particular age group of, of people, they flourish. Yeah. And, and leaders who have a passion for people of mentoring people. I've had people like that in my life who just had a passion for passing on what they knew. Yeah. And so when you, again, that passion, I think, though, is deeply rooted in, uh, in God. Uh, and Methodist, when we're at our best, we have a passion about people. 
That's good. Yeah, that same article I remember, it was talking about how facts don't change people's minds. Friendship does. Mm -hmm. And it's like that that kind of embodies that passion about people for me because it's like if you can make friends and you can love on people, that's going to have probably more of an effect a lot of times Mm -hmm. on people than just telling them the answers. Uh, And you got to give them, you know, a good sermon or a good Mm -hmm. talk or whatever. But if it's not accompanied with that friendship and that love, will it actually convince them into anything? I think that's a good question. And, you know, I grew up in a church culture in the deep South. We, uh, we did a lot of evangelism Mm -hmm. and I think evangelism kind of got stereotyped along the way as here's the bad thing about evangelism. Here's the, but you know, the best thing about evangelism was and is the passion for people. Right. I mean, that's the best thing about evangelism that, that as an evangelist, we care about that person. I love it. Uh, and about their, their wholeness, their salvation, their relation with God, their relations with each other. Uh, how could we recapture that passion for people? It's a great question. As a mindset. Yeah, I like it. Um, so the fourth one, uh, strengthened by diversity. Uh, I know there's a passion for that. I've talked to, to leaders, and they, they really want diverse ideas, diverse people in the movement. Tell us what strengthened by diversity means for you. Uh, well, and I would say you ask us to rank ourselves. This is one. Oh, that's right. This is, that's this right. is the one I probably... Uh, need the most growth in. Yeah. Uh, but I think uh, as I go through life, it's just recognizing when I have the experience of diversity, whether that's people who are of different races, whether that's women and men, whether that's um, people who think differently. Right. Uh, it's just it's just a much richer experience. Yeah. And, and again, I think if you think about how God created this planet, uh, with, right. with all of these different languages and people and just ways of, of life. Right. Uh, and, you know, when you travel a little bit, you see that. But mm-hmm. in Florida, a lot of that's come to us. Right. Uh, and so the idea that we're strengthened by diversity, one, it means we don't just tolerate mm-hmm. people who are different than us, but we really try to have a mindset of, you know, God might be speaking to me through someone who sounds a little different, yeah. who has a different experience. I think the work we've done in the POV, right. you know, which you've helped us with and Alex has and others have, um, has been about trying to have empathy for people who have walked a different path. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and when traditionalists and progressives uh, can come together, when... Um, People in urban and rural contexts can come together. Different ages can come together. Um, women and men, we're just strengthened. Yeah. Which is why in, in leadership, we always want to ask the question of, are we a diverse body? Yeah. You know, and the body of Christ, I mean, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14 says this, the body of Christ has different gifts. Mm-hmm. It has diversity. Yeah, well, I find it hard to learn in an environment where it's all the same. It's like you literally, Absolutely. you can't learn. You can only kind of espouse the ideas that are already there. If you have a diverse environment, it actually makes you critically think. It makes you engage. It makes you look at someone else's point of view. So that's why I think it's like it really does strengthen you because right. you have Absolutely. to be con- continually learning. It's not like you've you've arrived. You can arrive when it's just 
you and another person who think the same. Right. <laughs> when you're surrounded by a bunch of people who think differently than you, it's a constant kind of learning and growing. So for me, that's kind of like strengthened by diversity really is that I'm, I'm willing to grow and I want to grow and I'm going to be better because people are different than me. So, And, and I think in Florida, that's just a rich opportunity for yeah. us. Uh, I, you know, I travel a lot around Florida preaching and meeting with lady and clergy and listening and teaching and encouraging. And I've often thought of that in Florida, it's almost true that almost every city is unlike every other one. Yeah. So Miami is different from the villages. Barely. And, and a little bit. <laughs> and Jacksonville is different than the Keys. Right. And, and you could just, Gainesville is different than Tallahassee, you know. And so you can... Uh, you know, and so how do we as a conference, uh, how are we diverse? It's, it can be a challenge. Yeah. Because we can just get used to living in our one little place. Right. But as a, an annual conference, um, we bring people together yeah. from very different contexts. And so this is a mindset that um, we need to get better at. Yeah. And that's that's a part of the conversation. And to just well. name that it's hard. Like yeah, it, it's, hard. A, it's a challenge to... Uh, bring diverse people together. That's just, it's a hard thing. But right. to me, the beauty that you get out of it is worth that investment of uh, uh, kind of the challenge of it. Absolutely. And, and just to name something else, uh, uh, people who come from Cuba, people who come from Puerto Rico, right. people who come from Haiti. I mean, that's a part of our diversity as mm -hmm. well, that they bring gifts to us. So, that's beautiful. All right, let's finish with adaptive. Um, kind of encompasses a lot of the mindsets that we just talked about, that you need to be adaptive to probably do a lot of this stuff, to be future-focused and to engage diversity and all that. Um, but what do you mean by adaptive? I know that's been a word that mm -hmm. you and your team have worked through a lot. Um, what does that mean to you? I think it, it implies that uh, we're in the midst of change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you adapt to change. You have your core values. They don't change. Your faith doesn't change. But the way you live in that changes. And one of the, the best images I heard about, heard related to this was from uh, the, the evangelist D.T. Niles, uh, the missionary evangelist D.T. Niles. He was very influential with people like Martin Luther King. Mm. And he was from India. And he once said that, you know, when the missionaries came, they brought the gospel in a potted plant, mm. uh, as a potted plant in a, in a jar. Uh, but they were not willing for the jar to be broken so, right. the, so the plant, the gospel, could grow. Uh, and I've thought about that image that, that uh, we're often more worried about the container yeah. of, of the plant, of the mm. gospel. But the gospel will grow. Yeah. Uh, it will grow in almost any soil. That's good. Uh, and, you know, I came here from Western North Carolina. I had served there hmm. for 28 years or so. And, you know, plants that would grow there do not grow in Florida. Right. And vice versa. And so how do we adapt? Florida has always been a changing context. Yeah. It had rapid growth from the 50s to the early 2000s. Just people coming here from all over the United States, now from all over the world. Mm -hmm. you know. And so how do we adapt to that as leaders? Yeah. Uh, and when, you know, adapt, adapting is, in part, it's surviving. Yeah. 
if we don't adapt, we don't survive. But we, we want to do more than survive. We want to flourish. That's good. Uh, and leaders see the importance of adapting. Yeah. Talk a little bit about um, even just the leader's personal life. So, you know, looking at the context, we need to adapt to the changing environments that we have. But how is being adaptive also relate to being healthy or being resilient or, you know, like how does that how does that relate to the leader personally? Sure. A great question, Jason. And I think, uh, I think it, a resilience uh, is about uh, knowing your core purpose, mm-hmm. being That's clear good. about that. Sometimes it's very basic, knowing your core versus purpose. Sometimes people talk they have a life verse or something like that. And then, but then it's about knowing that, you know, I've got to live this out in a changing circumstance and not resenting the change, but just saying, hey, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to live my life and serve and lead in what is a changing context. Uh, To do that, you've got to be pretty anchored Mm -hmm. in your faith. Uh, And I think a lot of the work on resilience and the help talks about you've got to have a network of friends and support. You can't do it alone, which is the own mission together. That's really good. I love it. So to be adaptive, you've got to be anchored. you got to, in your own identity, I think. For me, right. it's like if I'm going to put out a lot of energy, if I'm going to try to engage a new context, if I'm just doing it outside of who mm-hmm. I am, I get really tired. Right. If I'm doing it and it's a calling and it's deep in me, I have much more energy to do those types of things and be adaptive. Mm-hmm. And then bringing a group of people around you that can help keep you on mission right. um, is super helpful too. Right. So, right. so yeah, so that is our five mindsets. Uh, Bishop Carter mentioned it. We forgot to say it after everyone, but if you have been ranking yourself Think about those. And uh, like he said, hey, this is an area where I I, I need to work on. Uh, What is an area you need to work on? What is an area that you're really strong in? And maybe bring these mindsets back to your next meeting or to a friendship, like you're saying, um, and talk about those and where you might be strong and where you might need to grow. So thanks, Bishop Carter. Thank you, Jason. Thank you.